Hello everybody, this is Andre and you are on the Marketing Innovation Podcast Show. Today's guest is Xenia Muntan, Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and the founder of Planable, a content review and marketing collaboration platform used by over 5,000 teams and brands like Jaguar, Land Rover, Viber, Siemens, and United Nations. Well done, Xenia. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Uh, and um, today we're going to have an insightful and exciting uh, conversation about social media marketing and content trends and how technology can help brands better use online channels to grow communities in a collaborative way. Ksenia, thank you so much for being today with us. How are you? How's life? How's, how's the day been? Busy, good busy. Uh, but thank you so much, Andre, for having me on the show. I'm uh, excited uh, to kick off this conversation. Awesome. Me too. Me too. Um, so I think maybe a very good place to start for our audience to better understand your journey, which is a very exciting one. And uh, uh, you are, you've started into entrepreneurship, uh, entrepreneurship at a very early age. You have a lot of achievements, which I think are worth talking about from, in, from an inspirational point of view, but also from, um, you know, uh, positioning you in a, in a sort of authority way so that people know you know <laughs> what you are talking about. <laughs> yeah. um, so tell us, uh, how, we, how did everything start? Uh, where are you from? How you started on this journey? And what got you into launching Planable? Yeah, um, so it all started with me building my first uh, business, which was a social media marketing agency. I started it during my second year of university and I was actually dreaming of working in in ad in in the advertising uh, industry since i was a teenager i was obsessed with everything ad world um and i started my agency uh, at 21 years old um and i was i was building um campaigns for brands uh was building a lot of content for them managing their social media pages but also a lot of other digital marketing work such as um branding and, and uh, web design and so on um and it, it all i I'm, i say that it all started with uh, me building my first business because during that agency time that's when i discovered the problem that i'm currently solving with uh with, with planable um so for those who are not familiar with how social media marketing happens and with what happens behind the scenes of social media every single post uh, for major brands that you see online, every single tweet or every single Instagram post. Behind that post, there's a bunch of people that work together on that post to plan it, to collaborate, make sure that it's on brand, to make sure that the tone of voice is correct, make sure they're using the proper hashtags and the proper uh, you know, jargon about their product or about their service. So there's a lot of planning that goes into one single post and there's a lot of collaboration and a lot of workflow there's even approval systems in place uh, when it comes to the to an agency working with clients but also when it comes to um, larger teams right if you have teams that are bigger than two people um, there might be some approvals in place where the head of social for example might approve content that is built by by his team before it goes live so how do you manage it all right um, that's the question that I was asking myself when I had my, my own agency. I was asking myself, how do you, like, what's the proper system? And I ended up actually, without talking to other agencies or with other professionals in the, in the world, I ended up building the same system as everyone else uses today. Mm-hmm. And that's spreadsheets. It's like, it's all, it's all running on spreadsheets in, in the <laughs> social media marketing world. You have this huge spreadsheet uh, where you have one row for the text of the post one row for like a link that takes you to a file. So 
somewhere on Drive or Dropbox, right, to the media asset itself. Then mm-hmm. one row for one row for each each thing, like uh, what category does this post belong? Notes and comments. When is it going to launch? Um, what hashtags are you going to use with it? And also maybe particularly one specific row for feedback from your teammates or from the client. And that you know file is being sent back and forth over email. You gather lots of feedback in like this never-ending email chain. You're trying to centralize it and match it. Like, what is this person ref- to what post is this person referring to? It's like you know in column, uh, you know in row in cell A B 175. There's like a mistake. We need to you know. So it's like extremely hard work to match it together. It is doable. It's like it's doable. You can you can manage it, but it's extremely hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of like copy pasting, a lot of room for mistakes. Um, and then at the end, you also need to schedule it. You're not going to post it. You're not going to set a reminder on your phone when you need to, you know, publish that all of that content. So you need to schedule it in advance. And you go to some scheduling tool to do that, uh, to something like Hootsuite or Buffer or TweetDeck or whatever, you know, your scheduling tool of preference is. So there's, you know, it, you know, too long didn't read. <laughs> uh, the idea is that this is uh, a very clunky and a very broken uh, process. Um, and, you know, the you know, teams are trying to make it work, but it is, you know, really hard work. Mm-hmm. And very time consuming. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you started with the agency and then you got to, to know about all these problems, interact with a lot of big companies as well with the agency back then. Uh, by the way, what year was this in? Uh, what was the year when you started uh, being active on the agency side? Um, so I started the agency in 2000. Oh, I don't even remember. That was quite a long time ago. Um, my, my point was, was it yeah. before social media technology became available or popular? Yeah, like social media marketing in general, or do you mean the tools to help social media teams? I mean, probably both, but I, <laughs> my question was more <laughs> directed to the technology because now we see all these options of uh, choosing tools to manage our social media from different perspectives, and we were briefly discussing about it before the episode as well. But um, if this was very early days, that probably even social media in general wasn't something very popular. And I remember back then we were still in that phase where we had to educate clients about social media marketing and the importance of social media and uh, just, you know, trying to, um, it was a bit of a pioneering in a way of social media marketing. Um, um, And obviously tools back then were not necessarily a thing people were not using. People were using just generic tools. But it's still the case nowadays. Like it didn't evolve that much as you'd expect it to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then uh, Planable. Uh, did you do it yourself? Did you go into, you know, uh, were you a bigger team? How do you, I mean, obviously now we know how the idea came along. But uh, yeah. how did you put it all together? How did you launch it as a, as a product? How did you market it to the right audience? And, you know, let's get into that uh, discussion. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so I started it together with my two co-founders, uh, Vlad and Nick. They both worked in um, in the agency world, so they were familiar with how everything works. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got together and we realized that this entire process and the entire workflow that happens behind the scenes of content could be simplified, and it it you know there's a lot of time that could be saved. And we got together and we did 
just that, we built Planable to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. uh, we went through a pre-accelerator in Cluj, um, mm -hmm. in Romania. And uh, during that accelerator, that's when we learned the bulk amount of what uh, it means to lead a startup, what it means to build one, um, you know, the product development part. Um, Nick, he's our CTO, so he built the product by himself uh, in the early days of Planable. And we had about three to four months to build the product because at the end of the program, there was a demo day. So we had to present it um, during a conference, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a demo day. And also at the same time, it was a competition. Um, so uh, there was an incentive for us to build it well. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it, it, there was an incentive to also build it fast, uh, which is, you know, it's really hard, hard to build a good product and also build it very fast. Um, so we did it in about three to four months and we launched it first in beta because we knew that, you know, obviously you build a product in three months. It's a very stripped down version of what you, you're dreaming of building in the future. So we built a minimal version of what Planable is today. <clears throat> and we launched it with um, a few hundred, a couple of hundred of beta users. And we got those users from places, from social media mainly, but also from our own connections, our own network. And beyond that, we also launched on uh, places such as um, Beta Page and Beta List, uh, which are really great to you know get very early stage uh, you know um, users, mm -hmm. early adopters. Um, we got them from forums as well. I remember we were spending quite a lot of time in in communities and in forums trying to um, find uh, potential beta users in the wild. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was a lot of just, you know, what it, today is called growth hacking, just trying to figure it out in the beginning. And um, we, you know, nurtured that community of beta users for about a year. And in the meanwhile, we were also building the product, developing it. And I think we launched the, um, the product and the pricing plans and we started monetizing the product um, in a year and a half. Uh, after we started uh, building it. And I remember we launched on, on Product Hunt. Uh, we were uh, third product of the day. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, quite a big uh, big splash. <laughs> nice. Okay, so uh, I just got an idea now. It wasn't yes. uh, in, the, in the first uh, sure, <laughs> sure, that we wanted sure. to discuss. Uh, but I think it's really, I mean, it's going to be insightful for the guys listening, tuning into today, into the episode. So we have the entrepreneurs and then we have the marketing people and the business passionate and, uh, you know, these sort of uh, groups of listeners, let's say. So yeah. um, what I know from the feedback that we got in the past was uh, some of the people tuning in would be interesting to know basically we have the early days entrepreneur the, the person that wants to launch a tech business and maybe it's the first time they're thinking about it or trying to put together the value proposition and the technology and everything themselves or with a small team uh what would be something um that you found essential understanding or some hacks that you found along the way that you think would be worth mentioning in our discussion that might help them um accelerate the learning process being in this pre-launch or launch phase? I think, um, I think something that I didn't know back then was how to do proper customer development interviews. And um, I you know, realized in time that they were extremely crucial. We were doing it, you know, based on our intuition, we basically had a few mock-ups 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we had them in Envision and we were uh, kind of like simulating the uh, the experience of, it was pretty well made actually now looking backwards, I realized it was not bad at all. Uh, we were simulating the experience of the app inside Envision. So it was actually, you know, linked with buttons almost. Like you were clicking on something and it was taking you to a different uh, mock-up page. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was actually pretty cool and it, it gave people a good uh, experience. So we had the, like the tech part of the customer development interviews mm-hmm. set up and we had like the props, <laughs> the materials, but the questions, uh, that's probably something that could have been improved quite a lot. And um, there's this great book, you know, called The Mom Test um, mm-hmm. that, you know, and it's basically how to do customer development questions, um, how to ask people the right questions so that they give you unbiased um, I mean, as much as you can, unbiased replies or honest replies, uh, like how to get, you know, people, uh, even if you're showing them product that is not yet ready, how do you get the honest replies, even if those replies might hurt you and they might not be the ones you want to hear, but you still need to hear them because mm-hmm. people want to be nice to you, right? So they, they want to, who wants to put an, you know, an entrepreneur down? No one, no one wants to break their dreams. Um, but you need to find ways to ask those questions so that you would actually build something that people love. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were lucky in a way because we were our ideal users. So it was hard for us not to spot, uh, you know, um, things that might not, you know, be uh, most honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, it was easier for us to ask questions that are relevant and get the best answers for that. But I think, you know, reading up quite a lot about customer development and what type of questions to ask and how to get people committed Mm -hmm. to something like, okay, you know, what's the problem that you're struggling with? How did you try to solve it, right? Because if people didn't try, if that person you're talking to never tried to solve their problem, it might not be a problem at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you try to solve it? Um, And then... um, how did your solution work out? And if you would get a solution that would actually solve your problem, would you pay for it? Because that's another part of it. You know, it, they might have a real problem. They might need a real solution, but they might not be willing to pay for it. So you need to check all of those boxes and then, you know, you need to get a commitment from them. Well, you know, are you going to do a trial? Are you going to give me, you know, a page of feedback? Are you going to, or whatever, are you going to give me a bullet list of feedback? something to actually commit them because then there's another part of it like yeah i might be willing to pay but then when it actually comes to them committing to something that's the, like that's where the real deal happens um and you need to get some kind of commitment as minor as it could be right um even if they pay you like one dollar there needs to be some kind of commitment from them mm-hmm. so that you know that they're serious about your product and you're building something with potential and um, this is not not related, but it's a curiosity that might be uh, in other people's minds as well. Uh, what are you charge, charging from the beginning? Because you mentioned the beta testers and the beta users. Um, did you charge companies in the beginning or did you go on a freemium model in the beginning? Because I know you have a freemium as well now. But yeah. uh, how, how did it work in the beginning? When did you make the switch or you realized, hey, we actually can charge as our competitors do in this space funny story we had a freemium in the beginning then we took it out and this summer a few months ago we introduced the freemium back but in a 
in a different version. Uh, so I'll tell you a bit more about that, why we decided to do that, go back to premium. In the beginning, we had a premium model and everyone mm-hmm. actually in the beta group uh, had you know, free access to everything in plan. Well, as many users as they needed, nothing was limited. Uh, and we started monetizing when, uh, when we launched it outside of the beta, beta group. And everyone who had the product for free in, a, in some form you know, was grandfathered and are, some people are still on the free plan uh, even today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's extremely crucial. Like the product was not ready. Uh, like I wouldn't have wouldn't have paid for it back then. It was very minimal. It was it was buggy. It was minimal. Uh, it was yeah. It wasn't working like we wanted it to work yet. But it, mm-hmm. it did provide some value. So, you know, minimum uh, value. Um, but it did provide some value, and it did you know give like a taste of what's to come. Um, and I think it, it is important to, at least when you're in beta, it is important to give the product for free. But at, at some point, you you gotta you know you gotta introduce and as early as you can, you gotta introduce pricing because that's you know the moment of truth for your product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Okay. And, huh? <laughs> no, just another question. <laughs> But um, now for the marketing people, um, yeah. how did you think about the launch? Because it was a new product in a market that was still learning about, you know, the, the issues that they would have if they would yeah. do social media in the right way. Uh, and uh, you had to both educate, but also monetize. And then you were part of an accelerator. So you had the pressure. Yeah. Um, how did you think about the launch? I guess you didn't have too much money either to make like a global launch or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, so how did you think about the right way to, you know, basically launch the product? Right. So I'll talk about the real, real launch, the one that we did on Product Hunt when we launched out of the beta program. Mm-hmm. Um, because I wouldn't say that when we initially launched in the beta program, I wouldn't say that there was a big launch. There was, wasn't really, you know, um, we didn't do that much uh, in terms of the launch. But the real launch, when we launched on Product Hunt and we started monetizing and introduced the pricing plans, um, we took it very seriously. Like we prepared so much for that launch. Um, and there's a bunch of tips and tricks on how to successfully launch on Product Hunt. There's like tons of articles and ebooks on that specific subject. And we did it by the book. We had someone, uh, what is it called, a hunter? someone that launched us on Product Hunt. So we asked uh, Murat, who's the CEO uh, of Marvel App. Mm-hmm. Marvel App is a collaboration tool for designers. So it was like match made in heaven. Uh, and we asked him to launch us, to, to put us on Product Hunt on, on that specific day. Um, and we agreed the date. We gave him all the materials. So you have you got to prepare like a bunch of designs, a bunch of visuals, copy like what is he gonna you know say about the product itself and we had like an army of friends prepared (laughs) um, you know standing by waiting to upvote us because you need like a you know like a big bump in the beginning so that you know product hunt is like oh what's this thing everyone upvotes (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so we had like an army of friends you know standing uh, standing by just you know waiting to upvote us and support us and hype us and tweet about us um, it was really great, you know, it went very well, right? Like in the beginning, we got like 100 upvotes or something, you know, from everyone that we were asking to upvote. And then naturally snowballed and started growing. And, you know, people genuinely were upvoting us and asking us questions. 
Um, so that, that was the main launch. And then together with that, across the next few months, we also did, you know, uh, invested in our blog, started doing a bit of SEO. We were very content marketing driven from, you know, day zero. We knew that this is going to be something, you know, product-led growth. And we just need to market the product in a way that people understand us and in a way that positions us well. And one of the struggles, even you know, till today, is how do we communicate our value in a way that separates us from our from you know um, a class of product that we consider indirect competitors, mm-hmm. and that's um, social, social media. You know, scheduling tools, social media management tools such as um, Buffer and Hootsuite and um, and Sprout Social and Falcon IO and a bunch of other tools out there that do social media management. And the main challenge was how do we communicate this in a way that people understand that we're not in the same category as them. We do. We do have something to do with social media, um, but it's not about like the publishing side and it's not about the scheduling side and it's not about analytics and like managing the channels. It's more about like managing the content mm-hmm. and how do you work as a team on that content. Um, and, you know, that's a struggle even today because, you know, uh, people are so familiar with the social media management. Marketers are very familiar with the social media management list of tools that, you know, when you say something, when you say, you know, social media, they, oh, Hootsuite, you know, Buffer. And you're like, no, 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 <laughs> something else. <laughs> um, and it's like a new thing, and, and you know, at the same time, uh, because, you know, the entire category of collaboration for content, for social, it's, it's pretty new. Um, and there's an explanation of why this entire category of, of tools is new. Um, but uh, there, you know, it's, it's challenging to make people understand it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, as a very quick summary from uh, our previous previous conversation, uh, yeah. and for everybody to be clear on uh, you know what Planable does and why it's different from the other tools, is actually it helps teams manage the content and the decision around pushing certain types of content on certain certain types of platforms, right? And uh, you know what post has to go where, and then enables the whole marketing team or management team to collaborate on producing that end post on a specific platform, right? Yeah, yeah. Super. Um, Okay, so now we get into the content side of things. And I think it's a good time to look at uh, what we initially wanted to discuss before this long parenthesis, (laughs) Um, which was, uh, you know, uh, changes that we saw over the last couple of months and then what we feel or what you feel actually. um, It's the world is going to look like tomorrow when it comes to content and social media um, sharing and everything else to do with this, uh, with this area. So looking back on the last, let's say six months, uh, ever Mm -hmm. since COVID came and, you know, everybody, I mean, not everybody, but more brands started to go digital, started to pay more attention to their online communities. Uh, Do you feel there has been any change or anything shifted when it comes to social media and content? So there's three points uh, of change that I, uh, top of mind, that I I saw. The first one is just the acceleration of content production. I feel like it exploded. The entire content marketing industry has just, it's it's in the future, basically. It's where we expected it to be in a few couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the amount of content brands are producing nowadays has, 
has you know doubled probably compared with you know, pre-pandemic days. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of makes sense because um, you can't do ads. <laughs> People don't, don't want to be sold to. Um, and uh, so many you know ads budgets have been cut. Um, and content is you know providing um, value, providing um, entertainment, providing meaningful information. Uh, to your audience is the best way to go during these times. So it does make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing that I noticed, right? Like the acceleration of content. And then the second thing uh, is uh, the production of content in a more low-key way, in a more authentic way, right? Mm-hmm. Like brands have ditched the studios because like no one goes in a studio with the team like that's not very possible right so you gotta you gotta improvise it you gotta do it in a startup way Uh, Mm -hmm. you gotta shoot you know videos and produce content in whatever way you can right like do content over zoom and stuff like that you know not uh, 4k not fancy not you know big studios no uh, makeup or artists to make it work um, and I, I, I think that's actually an interesting direction the content took, and a very, uh, and it very well fits um, with the trends that we've seen in the in the past years, and with what consumers might want might want during these times, right? Um, to you know more just a more humane approach to marketing, uh, a more relatable one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know that that kind of you know works together well with uh, with what I mentioned you know before that people don't want to be sold to during this period of time, mm-hmm. um, and you know seeing content that is authentic and and relatable and recognizable, uh, it's, it does have this more empathetic uh, nature. And then mm-hmm. the third change that I mentioned and that I uh, noticed uh, is kind of related to the empathy factor that I, I, I just mentioned. And that's, you know, about brands trying to build uh, more of a personality or more values in their core core marketing, uh, you know, structure. Um, and by that, I, I mean that, you know, brands that already had, like, a soul <laughs> like had values and had personality and had you know empathy for their audience had like a social side to it they're they're you know accentuating it more and more they they're highlighting it more and more mm-hmm. and then other brands that didn't have are rushing to create it and it's you know we're trying to slowly build it now at least um so kind of highlighting that uh the values you know the uh, you know, care about communities or whatever values that fit well within this, you know, environment, current environment, um, either highlighting them or trying to build them now. Uh, mm-hmm. Though it's really hard to build them because, you know, the audience is going to notice that you didn't have that specific value or not talking about that pretty much. And suddenly you're, you know, <laughs> you're, it's all about that. So you need to slowly build it and it needs to be authentic and it needs to make sense. We're, your brand, uh, but those are the main three changes that I I've seen, you know, in the in the content world recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are, if you were to look uh, at you know tomorrow and see how this 
trends really uh, will survive or what other changes could we expect to see over the next couple of months? Because hopefully the pandemic is not going to last forever. And again, we're going to have some financial difficulties for a couple of, for a couple more months, but uh, you know, uh, there's a future there. So uh, how do you feel the social media world is going to be transforming next? What's good quality content today? How should brands look at producing good quality content if they just started out now or if they just started to focus on it now? Yeah, that's a good question. I think there's no right answer to this question. Like, what is good content? Good content is the one that, like, works for your brand, that, you know, brings results. Good content that is aligned with your brand, that is genuine and i think the only way to achieve that is if you have diversity in your in your marketing team um because you know there's so many times brands publish something or launch a campaign and you can see that not too many people have looked at it Mm -hmm. because it's tone deaf uh it's not relatable it's just not it doesn't match with the current reality Mm -hmm. that's that's only possible if not enough people have taken a look at it if it like was written by a copywriter and no one else, you know, checked it. Cause I can't, I can hardly imagine that, you know, if a team of 10 look at it, you know, no one raises a red flag about specific campaigns we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, don't want to point fingers, <laughs> uh, but um, I think, you know, that's the only way, like if you bring your team together and you have to have diversity of, of views uh, on, on culture, on um, the social part of the world on politics and everything if if there's a diversity of points and if there's more people involved and you there's this open collaboration inside a marketing team and if more departments are also involved that's something i champion quite a lot um social media is not just about the marketing team it is about the entire brand and it is about the entire company and Mm -hmm. whenever you have the chance if you're doing a product launch you got to have your product team involved if you're doing employer branding on social media, you've got to have your HR team involved and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're in a regulated industry, you've got to have your legal team involved. So the more people you can bring on and the more diversity you can create, you're, you're going to get better and brighter ideas, which eventually is going to lead to uh, you know, uh, better quality of content. You know, formats... There's different, you know, I've seen brands, I've seen clients that use videos which perform well on social media and, you know, that could work, but it really does depend on your brand. Maybe static, maybe photos is one that works, you know, even better for you. Mm -hmm. Um, In the end, the format, the format is just a vessel. It's not necessarily what makes a piece of content a good content. Um, It's brand um, alignment. If that specific content, content resonates with your brand if it makes sense for your brand Mm -hmm. um if it's you know if it's really built in a collaborative uh, way which is probably going to lead to a a better idea um and also if it's like meaningful for uh for the audience if it's something that actually brings on more value because that's what content should be content should always be something of value for the audience otherwise it's Probably an ad. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Okay. Um, and another thing that was on my mind, and we had uh, a lot of discussions with clients as well, which tended to be a bit concerned. And I was curious to see how uh, you got this vibe from maybe your clients or from the industry, from a you know 
software provider point of view. Um, in terms of the organic side of things, so we have the content and we publish it to bring value to the community. And, uh, you know, there are brands with big communities out there. Um, however, there, sense, there seems to be a feeling in the market or um, uh, even brands being afraid of the fact that the organic algorithms are, mm. have have started to decrease a bit in terms of uh you know efficiency reach and, yeah, yeah. and reach uh and then um getting worried about the fact that maybe their content doesn't get as far as it could go what's your feeling there maybe if you have any tips for companies with this worry to amplify the results that they get from their organic content apart from it being good quality in terms of aligned with the brand and everything that we discussed now which by the way are very good points and i think i totally agree with you on uh, <laughs> on them yeah glad to hear well uh, you know in terms of what works on social media and what tips and tricks um as you mentioned you know uh, different platforms encourage different formats uh, obviously you know facebook encourages uh video um other platforms might like different formats of content you know looking at the um the time your audience is most engaged, that's something else again uh, that, you know, you might, might be doing. But in the end, yes, the algorithms have changed uh, in, in a major, major way. And if you're not the type of brand that is building content that is like super engaging, and super, you know, has like some kind of virality, I want to say viral content, like it, it has some shareable um, factor to it. Um, then yes, it is, you know, pay to play in the end. Um, and you know, you either got to sponsor the content and, you know, build ads around that, that specific content, uh, or you, you know, you gotta, um, switch the strategy and invest in maybe less content, uh, but more meaningful and with, uh, more, uh, shareable potential, I would say so. That's the mm-hmm. only way you know you can you can make it work. But yes, organic is not the same as it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so we talked about so many things today, and uh, you know, from the entrepreneurship part and point of view, from the social media and content side of things. Uh, now, a very tough thing <laughs> that we'll have to do, and we usually do it in every episode, is yeah. uh, we try we try to uh summarize everything in three maybe four points Ooh. that <laughs> i know <laughs> that the audience can uh, take away and they can try to apply straight away into the into their business or their you know strategy because in the end information is only information until it is applied to tangible results so um for somebody that is maybe working in marketing looking at uh, reevaluating their content marketing or social media strategy, or even the tools that they use for planning content and for organizing content, what would be the main takeaways from our discussion that you feel they would be able to apply into their business? Yeah. Um, I think thoroughly researching and knowing your audience is definitely the first thing. And that kind of takes me back to the customer development interviews that we discussed, right? Mm-hmm. That was about knowing our audience as well. Um, so, you know, do, doing a lot of research and doing, you know, survey and, and talking to your customers, to your, to your audience and really understanding your audience is, is probably the first takeaway I, I would take from this conversation. Mm-hmm. And second, 
The second would probably be know yourself as a brand. <laughs> it's all about knowledge. Um, knowing yourself and being self-aware as a brand, like what do you stand for and figuring that as, as early as you can. Um, because, you know, you build your brand and if, it, if you do not have a, like a set of values for your brand, when you try to implement those, it's going to be hard and um, it's not going to look, it's not going to be authentic. Um, on day. So figuring out who you are from day one as a brand and doing some introspection uh, in yourself as a, as a company and figuring out your values and what you stand for, like what's your flag that mm -hmm. you stand by, the, th that's the second takeaway. Mm -hmm. And the third one uh, would be to pick your strategy in terms of, uh, especially for social media, if you want to there's two paths like if you want to go the path of we're going to create a lot of content and we're going to invest in it mm -hmm. or we're going to create uh you know less content and we're going to go the organic route and we're going to invest a lot in one specific piece of content so that you know it has like are you going to put all your eggs in one basket or diversify you know that's that's the two strategies that you gotta you know pick you you can't be you can't be in the middle like if you're in the middle that's probably the worst Mm -hmm. You either, you know, create a lot of posts and you sponsor them and you create a lot of word of mouth and a lot of vibe, or you create like one uh, and invest in the quality of that, uh, of that content, mm -hmm. uh, like picking your strategy. That's probably the third takeaway. Thanks so much. That was awesome. So uh, tell us more about um, uh, Planable because uh, you, you didn't brag too much on this episode and I feel, you, sh uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff that you do and I think that you're helping your customers a lot. Uh, obviously, you work with some big names, uh, but I guess smaller ones as well. So tell us what's, uh, what's in the pipeline. What are you guys uh, planning to do next? Uh, what do customers appreciate more about your platform that maybe some of our listeners would find uh, the value in as well? Yeah. So look, the fourth trend that I didn't mention that you know happened across the the past six months uh, was um, just the amount of kind of like digitalization and building up the tech stack of teams mm -hmm. that happened in the meanwhile because you know everyone else is working remote and. Uh, everyone is working from home and trying to make it work. Teams have consistently uh, built up their tech stack from what they had before. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, us being a tool for collaboration, we're very well positioned for this remote life. Um, so that's the way, you know, we're currently helping most of our customers, but just trying to bring everyone else, like they're in the same room as they were before, um, but digitally. Uh, and in a way that they don't feel like they're working, you know, from different, uh, you know, places on earth, but as though they're really working from, you know, across the hall as they were working before. Um, and, um, you know, you know, if anyone is interested to learn more about Planable, uh, the website is planable.io. Uh, so check us out. We're, you know, more than willing to talk to you and see if there's anything we can do to help you with remote work. Uh, we've certainly helped. Uh, you know, hundreds of teams in the past, uh, in the past half a, half a year. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of what we do at Planable. And <laughs> the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you the have podcast. a marketing podcast as well. Yes, I do. So it's called People of Marketing. And every Wednesday we launch an episode um, where we interview 
an inspiring marketer, someone that um, I think is extremely smart and extremely interesting and someone that has um, a very aspirational career and journey so far, uh, CMOs, heads of social, um, you know, digital marketers with dozens of years of experience. And I interview, I interview them about their journey, how they got where they are, how does their life look like right now. Uh, so we basically get a sneak peek into their lives. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, tune in. Uh, we're on every major uh, podcast app. So yeah, check us out. Awesome. So we leave links in the description of this episode as well, um, as well as your details in case people want to get in touch directly. Maybe you want a demo of the platform or they want to ask you more about it or I guess anything to do with social media, really. <laughs> sure. So uh, yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's Xenia Montan, um, just my name. Uh, connect on LinkedIn, uh, you know, uh, give me a note that you heard me in this podcast uh, so that I know, you know, um, that you want to connect. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm more than happy to talk to you about social media or about Planable or just about anything. Just happy to connect. <laughs> Amazing. Xenia, thanks so much again. It was really, really fun and really insightful to have this conversation with you. I'm super happy that we managed to organize it today. Yeah. And um yeah, for everybody tuning in, thanks a lot for staying until the end. Uh, if you have any questions, as always, uh, feel free to either pop them directly to us or if you want to get in touch directly with Xenia. Uh, she's super cool and very open and always smiling as you see her <laughs> on the episode. So I'm sure uh, she'll be happy to answer your question or to help you out uh, if you have difficulties in social media. Uh, and uh, if you have any things specifically that you want us to you know focus on in the next episodes or even if you want to Xenia and I to organize another episode together on a specific topic in marketing or social media uh, let us know and uh, as always we'll try to to organize it as soon as possible until next time Xenia thanks again very much uh, pleasure and everybody have an amazing day and amazing week ahead speak soon bye